Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning. And uh, again, welcome to our summer visitors and guests, whatever or however you've come to be here. Uh, we're glad that you've uh, decided to spend some time with us this morning. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, because we value and love our team here so much, we actually had a habit for a number of years of uh, having a break on the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's and just saying, let's just not have church that day. That's fine. We are the church, you know, whether we gather together or not. Let's just give our volunteers a rest and, and we put a sign on the door to say we're not meeting this Sunday. And a couple of years ago we thought, you know what, I don't think we can do that anymore. And uh, look at you. <laughs> look at you here. So I'm glad that, uh, that you came and we, uh, as we change and grow, have to um, adjust some of the ways we do family. Yeah. How many of you know that? Yeah. You get used to having three kids. And then you have a fourth, so um, <laughs> or an eighth. Um, so, <laughs> well, as I don't know if it's going to come as a, as a surprise to you, but tomorrow is <clears throat> New Year's Eve, and uh, stop it. Better have some plans. And uh, this whole week, in fact, is a time where, as you know, a lot of people, and you've probably already done this, have taken some time to look back, uh, reflect on the year. That was, and one of the ways that I do that from a church perspective, anyway, is to flick back through our calendars. I mean, it's just one of the things you do. I'm a, I enjoy paper still, okay? And uh, so I did that this week, just sat and flicked through a few calendars and just wanted to show you, use that to show you a few of the things that we've done here in 2018. We kicked off in January by hosting Church Together again. We had Mark Connor here from Melbourne hosted a leadership evening with him and I also mentioned that to say that uh, there's been a pause button put on Church Together. It won't be on this January uh, for multiple reasons so just a heads up for that won't be going ahead this year but or this year next year but uh, this year we hosted Mark Connor here from Melbourne in January. In February we launched our YouTube channel and our brand new website that only happened this year, just got over 100 subscribers a few weeks ago. In March, we hosted Glenda Rufus from Hong Kong. In April, we had a special weekend with, weekend with Adam Thompson here over a whole Friday, Saturday, Sunday spectrum. In May, we had one of our biannual volunteer meetings. I mention that because it's a great opportunity every six months to see more and more people who call this church their home volunteering and ministering here on a Sunday on a committed level. Uh, it's, a, it's an area of our church life that's growing. It's great to see that. In June, we had our final SOAR worship night, which therefore thereafter became known as HARP and Bowl. In July, we hosted Jocelyn and Mylene, our good friends from the Philippines, as well as Dan Hagen, a brand new friend from Melbourne, who uh, was basically in charge of heading up the Awakening Australia event in Melbourne this year in September. We had our birthday and it was just a crazy month. We started with the birthday bash. We had Tony and Robin and Greg Jones here for our worship weekend. We had our Super Kids sleepover at the end of the month, our Heart for the House series. And that was the month where I thought, ah, oh, we should have our family holiday that, that month since it's so busy. So we went away, which was a great choice. In October, who could forget Dr. Ray? And uh, the weekend we had with the Irishman uh, here, uh, you can watch that interview on YouTube, very worthwhile. That was followed up a few weeks later by Finney DeGiacini from Sydney in, Ju in uh, November, who was here with us. And in December, of course, just now, we've had what a highlight for me was uh, four special invite services 
for Christmas, uh, kicked off with a kids' concert with Dan Warlow, uh, our Super Kids production. Over 200 people were here on that Sunday with our Nativity production, and the stage is kind of still set up uh, in that zone. And then uh, last Tuesday, uh, Alex tells me there was close to 180 people who met on the lawns for Christmas morning at 9 o'clock for Christmas on the lawns. And I dare say that close to half of them are not Bayside regulars uh, out there and and uh, you know as that grows uh, close to 180 people we're, we're still committed uh, to having it unplugged so our band I think just needs to get bigger more of you need to learn to play the guitar and we can spread out the musicians uh, but a fantastic morning uh, it's obviously the weather really helps uh, on a day like we had on Tuesday but just a great way to start uh, Christmas morning and I want to thank all of you for those uh, those of you who are involved in that and just a pleasure to see you as a church family uh, really get behind inviting people along to our church home. As Erin was just saying, it's great to have a church that you can be proud of and uh, that you can feel free to invite people around your table. And uh, we all know this, this time of year, we uh, have people sometime over to our homes, sometimes not. It's nice to know you've got a home that you can say, have it at our place. It, we have a good home to host people. And to be able to have that in your local church is a great privilege to be able to say, you know, we have a great home and uh, it'd be great for you if you feel to join us. So well done for getting behind that. Today, of course, all these highlights, let me just say, are only a few of the things I found on the calendar. None of, uh, none of these involve a lot of the other new things that have happened this year that are more so behind the scenes, new grow groups that have started, a new youth group, Uh, Mark and Erin that started this year that's just going great. The launch of a new media and video team who are operating today. Uh, Overseas ministry trips, Malaysia, New Zealand, uh, Indonesia, of course, saw hundreds of people come to Christ on crusades or outreach meetings we ran uh, in Indonesia this year. Awakening Australia in Melbourne, a team going there. And basically growth and increase in almost every existing area of church life throughout the year, including my personal highlight which was seeing more people this year, more, sorry, adults this year in our church family come to know Jesus for the very first time. And that is a huge delight and has really got to be the main thing. And there is a number of you here sitting today uh, who fit into that category. And it's kicked off at the start of this year with a mini-sermon series I did. It's on our website on the issue of momentum. We got away as a leadership team in January, which we often do, had a day or a few hours praying together. And word came out about this being a a year where we needed to maximise the momentum that had built up, that God had effectively given us over the last 15, 16 years we've existed as a church. And I spoke into that at the start of this year. Momentum is about enjoying fruitfulness that you feel like you don't deserve, but it's the banking up of years of work that have gone in. Momentum is one of the greatest allies for any sporting team. When you've got momentum, you smash the Aussies, eh? Um, So when... When momentum is with you and things just seem to be going your way, it is a wonderful gift, but it doesn't come by mistake. Momentum comes because we have mass and motion together and we had a commitment that we started this year to say, let's give ourselves to mass, unity, being on the same page, mass mass and motion, that sense of actually going somewhere. We're front-footed. We know our focus. And of course, every year, So I constantly remind you and have no problem doing so. Our focus never changes. Because our vision as a church is a man named Jesus. And he never changes. So we focus on him 
that while he doesn't change, he's always moving us into change. And so we continue to follow him. We do not follow a dead religious figure that has been lost and buried and decayed. We follow a living Jesus who is a living, alive and active and walking today. And that is the Jesus that we follow. And so we have uh, motion and mass as we do that together. And hence we take advantage of momentum. So there's some of the church highlights. This is just an AGM, so thank you for those of you joining. Uh, no, not really. For me, a personal highlight, or at least a sense of personal achievement, something I've never done before but I committed to at the start of this year, was that I made a commitment to read through the whole Bible in a year. Now, I've never done that before. I've been quite serious about my Christian life for since I was basically an adult, since I was 18, really, and... Um, I have been leading a church now since I was 23 and never read all the Bible through. Now, of course, I've memorised Nahum and Obadiah, like all of you have. That's no problem. But, but I, um, I haven't actually read the Bible all the way through in a committed, disciplined way. And I actually have really enjoyed that this year. And I'm coming now to the end of that. I've only got three weeks left. And part of that commitment was doing tutorials week after week, posting on YouTube for those of you who've followed me. And I know that we lost a few around, you know, the prophets. Very difficult. Um, but, uh, but some of you have maintained that all the way through. And that's been a, a real personal sense of, of, uh, of fulfilment for me, I think, this year. And through that, I've actually preached more original content than I have any other year of 16 years. I haven't been in this pulpit very often, but as much this year, and as we've developed preaching teams and whatever. But I've actually preached more this year uh, week after week on YouTube with brand new message and material than I have any other year. And I've really enjoyed that and I think that's really going to serve us and me well over the years. And I've also learnt a lot of things. I learnt that the book of James is not really a letter. It's more like a collection of random sayings. And so... Some of those... Yeah, random. Yeah, there's no P's, you know, four P's. You know what I found out yesterday? Yesterday, oh, this is awesome. You just reminded me. Oh, this is a new thing I just learned. Oh, you're going to love this. The opening two verses of Hebrews have five Ps in it. It's like, the, you know, you have to, you know, know Greek apparently, but it's got P sounds all the... Oh, it's just awesome. So, but James is random. It's for random people that don't make sense, right? So, so... Um, that don't have structure. Uh, but James is like, which makes sense then when you're reading James and, and you understand, well, some of those sayings are written to Christians and other, others of those sayings are not for a Christian audience. They're just whacked in this book of wisdom. And, oh, finally the book of James makes more coherent sense to me. I have come to believe now, reading Luke and Acts back to back, that the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Spirit did not happen in some random room somewhere, but the outpouring of the Spirit actually happened at the temple. And you'll know that if you read Luke and Acts back to back. They slept in an upper room somewhere together, but the place they were constantly meeting where 3,000 people could easily gather like that was actually the temple. The Holy Spirit was poured out on a new temple within the temple. I've come to discover that. I came to discover or to, to reiterate just a couple of weeks ago that Paul wrote three letters to the Corinthians and all three of them are in our Bible. Now, you would know that if you followed me on YouTube this year and read through the Bible with me. But I've learned a whole lot of new stuff this year, and I'm really glad for that. I like new discoveries, and uh, I like sharing new things. But as a pastor, I'm also very much committed 
to reminding people of stuff I've said before. Reminding, refreshing, helping to people to remember and recall the most important things. And the apostles in the New Testament are like this. Peter says, I will always remind you of these things. Certain things I'll always remind you of, even though you know them, he says, and are firmly established in the truth. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body and I'll uh, make every effort to see that after I'm gone, you will always be able to remember these things. Paul wrote to the Philippians chapter 3 and he said, It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again because it's a safeguard for you. He writes to the Corinthians in his first of three letters and after addressing all their issues, he starts chapter 15 by saying, but now I want to remind you of the most important thing. Chapter after chapter, I've dealt with all the issues and problems and concerns and questions you have and it's good you've got questions, it's good you're curious, it's good you're asking, that's how you learn. But now after 15 chapters, I want to remind you of the most important thing. I want to remind you of something I've told you over and over and over again. And he says, I want to remind you of Jesus. The most important thing. And today, as we welcome in a new year, I actually want to revisit a New Year's message that I first brought 10 years ago. Happy anniversary. I'm really digging deep for this one. No, so <laughs> 10 years ago, on the first Sunday in January 2009, when I did a little preach called First Things First. And today, as we look to start a new year, I want to encourage you to put first things first. Okay? So that's what we're looking at. For the men in the room, or those who don't uh, know how I preach, I'm going to have four points. They're all going to start with the letter P. I'm going to tell you that now so that as we go, you know how close I'm getting to the end. And uh, I think all the men understand what I'm talking about. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at four scriptures. I'm going to mix it up a bit. We're going to look at Jesus, Solomon, Paul and Peter, very wise men. And we're going to look at the four things that they say we need to put first. We need to seek first. We need to consider above all. Today is about first things. Above all, most important, Jesus, Solomon, Peter and Paul. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6. We'll give Jesus first honour and read his words here from the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6.31. Let's go. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Come on, say seek first. Seek first first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and seek first his Righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and seek first his righteousness. There is a constant theme throughout the New Testament. I've just been reading it again this week in Hebrews about prioritizing the eternal over the temporal. Some of the presents that you gave your kids this Christmas 
are not going to last very long. <laughs> Hopefully a little bit longer than the junk you bought them at the Adelaide show in September, maybe. But they are, we are constantly reminded in this planet that many things that we have and value are temporal. And Jesus and the early apostles and even the wisdom of the Old Testament is constantly trying to help people to value the eternal over the temporal. The eternal over the temporal. Fix your eyes on what is unseen rather than what is seen. There is a priority of putting first things first. And Jesus put it this way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I feel like I can summarize those two things by simply putting it this way because I need a P. Seek first... No, I don't need a pee. I... Thanks for asking, but I did do that before the started. <laughs> Seek first the person of Jesus. Seek first the person of Jesus. The reason we, there is, is a kingdom to seek is because there's a king. So you can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have a realm of a king's rule unless you have the king to begin with. Seeking first the kingdom, which means being a part of his rule and reign, coming under his government and way of living. Seeking first his kingdom is about seeking first the king. I want to be where the king is. And I want to make, I'm, make, make sure that I'm in his domain, the kingdom, the king's domain. Okay? I want to be in the king's domain. So seeking first the kingdom is about seeking first Jesus as king, acknowledging he is king. And seeking first his righteousness is not primarily about me living righteously. Because he doesn't say seek first to live righteous. As important as that is, it's important to live righteous. If I don't live righteous, no one will see God in me. Make every effort to be at peace with all men and to be holy. Because without me living holy, other people won't see God says Hebrews. Okay, So it's important I live a righteous way because I want you to see God in me. That's not what Jesus said to do first. The first thing to do is to seek his righteousness. And there is anything that the New Testament era demonstrated to us, it was a shift in thinking of me, the most important thing I could do is live righteous before God. But now in Christ, I receive his righteousness as a gift to seek first his righteousness is to receive the gift of righteousness that Jesus purchased for me on the cross. Yes. So Paul can open Romans, the book of Romans, and say the gospel is that in the gospel, his righteousness is revealed. His righteousness. I'm not seeking first my righteousness. I'm seeking first his. I'm seeking first to be made right with God and that can only happen through Jesus because he is my holiness, he is my righteousness, he is my redemption, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 or 3. Somewhere around there. Seeking first the kingdom and seeking first his righteousness is about seeking first the person of Jesus because I'm acknowledging Jesus is king of the kingdom and I'm acknowledging Jesus is Saviour who gives me his righteousness. This year, as I put first things first, I prioritise the person of Christ. Amen. Everything he is, King and Saviour, two of the primary things, but everything he reveals himself to be, I want you. Amen. 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 So don't overlook, 
a well-worn phrase that some of you have been Christians for years is a bit like, get ready to roll my eyes. I mean it when I say, put Jesus first. That's not a glib statement. I'm not saying it's a silver bullet to all life's issues, but it's the first foundation stone to living any sense of life that lasts forever, for goodness sake. You want eternal life, you can't do that without acknowledging Christ is Lord and Christ is Saviour. Maybe some of you here today haven't done that yet. That's the first starting point. Acknowledge he is king. Acknowledge he is saviour. But just like marriage, that decision or that acknowledgement is not a one-day thing I decided to do that. I wake up every day and decide to stay married. Easier some days than others. But I, <laughs> I'm just reading Jay's notes. She put that in there, actually. That's her, that's her line. But it's the same with following Jesus and acknowledging him as Lord and Saviour. It is the cross I carry daily, a cross. I mean, it's not a, don't, don't think of that as a bad thing. It's something I decide daily. I decided, but I decide today that he is Lord and I decide today that he is Saviour. Today I acknowledge you are King of the Kingdom and I'm going to prioritise that. And today I decide you are my Saviour and I'm righteous in you and I'm going to prioritise that because I'm not going to come to God arrogantly thinking that I've made myself right with you. What an idiot. I'm going to come knowing that I'm only right with a holy God because Jesus says I am. And he paid the price. That is the priority. That cleanses my conscience. Thank you very much, author of Hebrews. And acknowledging him as king gets my other priorities straight. I appreciate you saying yes to encourage me out loud. But it would mean more to me if you left today doing business with God and knowing I'm going to do that. So close your eyes. Do you need to put your hand on your heart? Lord, today, I commit myself to putting the person of Jesus first. I acknowledge you as Lord, King of the Kingdom. I acknowledge you as Saviour, you are my righteousness. Holy Spirit, highlight to me an area in my life where you are encouraging me to have Jesus first. Amen. Point number one. First things first. The person of Jesus. Point number two comes from Solomon. I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 4, a well-known scripture. I'm sure many of you would know this. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them. They are health to a man's whole body. Above all else, first things first, and above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, son, guard your heart, for out of your heart come the issues of life. Number one, Seek first the person of Jesus. He's king and he's the king of the kingdom, the saviour who is our righteousness. Number two, seek first the protection of your heart. The protection of your heart because 
There's stuff that's going to be out to get you this year. Jesus came to give us life and more life than we could handle on our own. But in that same verse in John 10.10, he says there's also a thief that's doing his thing. And he likes to steal, kill and destroy. The reason that Solomon needs to write to his son to say protect our heart is because he knows that life isn't smooth sailing all the time and that things are out to get you. And I'm not a look for a demon under any bush type of guy, whatever mean, uh, by any means, but I know that there are things to out to rob you and there are things that are out to get your heart. And this year, like it or not, because we're all adults and we all know reality, we will face the challenge of disappointment and the challenge of distraction. We will face the challenge of regret. We will face the challenge of jealousy, maybe anger, maybe frustration, uh, maybe discouragement, misunderstanding, relationships, confusion, certain things. Why is that happening? These challenges will come to you and these are things that we need to guard our heart because out of our heart your life flow comes and so be aware don't be afraid but be aware be alert and make sure that you guard your heart okay is that too somber so i get happy do a happy one again make a pee joke um Paul writes in Philippians, he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and petition, present your request to God with thanksgiving, and the peace of God that doesn't make sense will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. It's important to guard our heart. And yet, when I was praying for you this morning, I felt like I needed to tweak this a little bit because some of you, the best thing you can do for your heart this year is actually open it again. See, there's a difference between being ignorant and being innocent. And having an innocent heart is a good thing. It's about being, which makes you vulnerable. But vulnerability is a good thing. Calculated trust is a good thing. 1 Corinthians 13, love always trusts which we hold over here. And that we also appreciate the Proverbs that say, do not entrust yourselves to a fool. So how can I always trust, but not always trust? It's a hard issue of assuming and hoping for the best. And at times that means opening myself to being vulnerable because I have an innocence in my heart that is innocence in my heart that's hopeful that people won't hurt me and we'll do the right thing but I'm also not ignorant in my heart I'm innocent like a child or like a dove Jesus would say but in my head I'm also wise like an adult and I'm not ignorant because I do know that people sometimes are scumbags (laughs) not in this church but you know in life people are out to hurt you there will be times where that happens and so we want to be innocent but not ignorant We do want to have a certain measure of protection in our hearts but we don't want to be so protective that we're like the Great Wall of China and thou shalt not penetrate. 
Because some of you have people like that in your life. Like talking to a fridge. You just, you just can't get in. <laughs> this time of year, leftover ham. Hot cross buns from Boxing Day. Told you. Told you. We want to be a good heart or guard our heart but not become guarded. And so maybe some of you need to wisen up this year and say, actually, I'm going to protect my heart. I've learned a few lessons from that relationship or I've learned a few lessons from that cycle or I've learned a few lessons from that situation. I'm actually going to guard my heart there this year and maybe have my expectations a little bit more closer to reality. But maybe others of us, the best thing you can do to your heart is open it up again and trust because it's not healthy to have a cold heart. And Jesus often, the Bible often speaks about the condition of our heart. I guarantee you, you close your heart off to people a lot, you will close your heart off to God too. Okay? So, love God, love people, do both. Maybe some of you, us need to open our heart again and say, Lord, help me have an innocent heart, but not an ignorant head. Is that okay? Close your eyes. <laughs> Hands up, those of you who I have disappointed this year. <laughs> Oi! Eyes closed. I said eyes closed. <laughs> Father, for some of us, this uh, guarding our heart has actually struck a chord. And I pray that that area that you've just highlighted, I reach out for wisdom. Um, you don't have wisdom because you don't ask. Well, right now I ask, Father, give me wisdom in that relationship. Give me wisdom in that situation to know the tension between guarding my heart but not becoming guarded. And I pray this, I petition this, and I thank you. And I thank you that your peace guards my heart in Christ Jesus. Come on. Amen. Let's see what Paul has to say. 2 Timothy Chapter 2. No, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Sorry, I was just in Richie Benno moment there. Oh, come on. Come on, that was funny. 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, come on, say first of all, that prayers, requests, different translation, intercession, thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And this pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved Amen. and to come to a knowledge of the truth, because there is one God and one mediator between God and men, who is the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for the well-behaved people. No. Who gave himself as a ransom for Caucasians. No. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is the testimony that was given in its proper time. This passage, he starts by saying, I urge then, first of all, that you pray for all people. But here's the underlying reason, because all people matter. Because Christ has died for all people. He thought people were worth dying for. And God wants all people to come to know him. All people. That's you. He loves you all and he loves you each. He loves all of us and he loves each of us. So prayer is a, a response to that underlying truth that people matter to God. First things first. Put the person of Jesus first. First things first. 
Protect your heart. First things first, understand the preciousness of people. The preciousness of people. Because all people matter. God wants all to know him. And Jesus died for all. So Peter would say in 1 Peter 4, Above all, love each other deeply. I've been enjoying reading, as you know, through the whole Bible this year. And some of you, not many people can handle reading the whole Old Testament. It took 40 weeks, okay? You can do it. And, but even in Jesus' day, people couldn't handle reading at all. So they came to him once and they said, Hey, teacher, can you just sum the whole thing up for me in one sentence? <laughs> just sum it all up. What's, what, of all the stuff that God said over the last few thousand years, what's the most important thing, you know? Just give it to us in a nutshell. And he said, the most important thing is that you love God and you love other people. We love God, one reason is because we understand how valuable he is. Loving him or honouring him is kind of the same connotation in the Hebrew. means respecting his worth. That's what it means when we sing he is worthy. He is worth fee. Like he's, he's worthy of worth. He's valuable. Okay, in very basic terms. The same thing when we love people. We understand how valuable they are. And that person sitting next to you today... That person sitting behind you, Jesus died for them. And if for some strange reason, cosmic error, his death didn't actually do what it was supposed to do, he'd come back and die for that person sitting next to you, just for them. He'd go through all that just for them. That's how precious they are. When he gave his life, it says here, as a ransom, a ransom is a price. It's the price I'm willing to pay for my kid. Like Mel Gibson in that old movie, Ransom. This is the price I'm willing to pay to get my girl back. Jesus was willing to give his life and that's how precious people are. And that's why in the last week, as a church, without much notice at all, you guys gave over $3,000 to mercy ships just last Sunday and on Tuesday morning. In this passage, he says, pray because people are precious, but there's many other ways you can demonstrate that people are precious. That's one of the ways we do it, with generosity. We give, we sow, we invest, we do so spontaneously, we do so disciplinarily because we understand people are precious and we understand it takes resources, prayerful resources, practical resources to reach precious people people are precious and I hope you take that into this year second to last time you know what to do close your eyes Holy Spirit is there an area um, this year that you want where you want me to invest into people a priority that you want me to give myself to that will look beyond my own needs, beyond my own interests, beyond my own enjoyment possibly, to give myself on behalf of others, to see the preciousness of people. Is there an area you want me to serve and to give myself to this year? Okay. We're going to finish with Peter. First things first, the person of Jesus, the protection of our heart, the preciousness of people, 
And lastly, the privilege of partnership. The privilege of partnership. I get this from Peter in First Peter chapter, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll just read the last couple of verses there. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. Above all, you with me? Say above all. Don't fall asleep now. Last point, remember? Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about just by a prophet's own interpretation. No, 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 no. Prophecy never had its origins in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Chad, this is interesting. How the heck did you get a point out of this? Above all, understand. Above all, understand. Above all, understand. That when people prophesied, they didn't just speak things out of their head. They were carried along by God himself. Above all, understand the privilege of what it is to partner with heaven. To hear what he is saying and speaking it. To joining hands with heaven and cooperating here on the earth. Above all, understand that this is how things get done. This is what affects history. When humans say, I'm willing to partner with heaven. With my mouth, with my eyes, with my hands, with my body, I'm willing to say, Holy Spirit, I just don't want to do my own thing. God, I want to do what it is that you are doing, what you are saying. I'm wanting to join hands with heaven. And in partnership, of course, we do it also by joining hands with one another. I understand the privilege of partnership. And Peter says, above all, I want you to understand that. When you approach the scripture... No prophecy of scripture. I'm just not reading a a book that was written by man. I'm reading a book that is both heavenly inspiration and historical information, but it's also heavenly inspiration. It is a book of partnership. I read Hebrews 11 this morning. By faith, Abraham. By faith, his son. By faith, his grandson. By faith, by faith, by faith. A whole list of men and women who did things in faith. What is faith? It's taking hold of God's hand and saying, I'm willing to partner with you. I'm willing to partner with what it is you are doing. And so we have four things I want to encourage you in today. The first two focus on God himself. Number one, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the person of Jesus. Number four, partner with that person. Partner with him. And in between, look after yourself. And in between, Look after others because part of the divine partnership that we have is not just heaven to earth. The cross, as we know, is not just up and down. It is also left to right and we don't want to despise the privilege of divine partnership this year. One last time. Hey, I'm, I'm a realist. I've said this before and it's not a joke. <laughs> But I've been speaking long enough and I've done enough things like this to know that it's always a discouraging thing to ask people a few days later, what was your favourite thing that preacher said on Sunday? (laughs) So I'm a realist as to how much you're going to take away. But if you're going to take away anything, don't let it be one of the P's that Chad brought out. Let it be something that God spoke to you because then I would have succeeded. I would have brought you to a table and you met Jesus as the guest of honour and he did something for you. I'd rather that. So I'd rather present opportunity for you to say, actually, God dropped one thing in my heart today. Great. 
It's the other thing that preachers find. People come up and say, oh, you know, while you're speaking, I, I really got this, this and this out of it. You go, none of them were on my notes. <laughs> but if God spoke that to you, then that's a win for me. So close your eyes and let's expect God to speak to you about partnership. Ellie, maybe you and the team can partner with me. Holy Spirit, is there something that you are wanting me or encouraging me to partner with you this year? I'm open to taking your hand. I'm open to following you and doing what it is that you've asked me to do. So speak to me, good shepherd, and lead me in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's do that first song, I reckon. Are you here this morning, and I mentioned this right at the start, but maybe you've never done that first acknowledgement. I said it's something I kind of do every day, acknowledging who Jesus is, acknowledging that I want to partner with him in my life. Have you, is there someone here who's never done that? And you'd like to today because we've seen a number of people here in this room who for the first time this year made a decision to say, I don't understand it all, but I think I know enough to know I want to follow Jesus. I want to partner with him. I want to know him. It is the greatest privilege in life and it's the most important thing you could ever do because knowing Jesus is the only guarantee of eternal life. Someone should have amen that. I mean, that is a, that's a really good point. The, the wonderful good news is that the person of Jesus makes it possible for all people to participate in his presence and his provision, both now and for all eternity. You can know God in a real way and you can enjoy the benefits of being his child both now and for eternity by knowing Jesus in a very real way. And that invitation is open to you today. How about you all stand to your feet and then I'm going to ask if that applies to anyone for you just to let me know, okay? Now I'm, tell, now I'm going to ask you seriously, close your eyes. Not like before when I, you know. I'm just looking around and I, what I want to do is, if, if that's you today, if you've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord, as King or as Saviour, you've never come into a right standing relationship with God, you don't know what that's like to be forgiven of sin and know God with a pure heart. If you say, today I want that, maybe I don't understand everything, but I sense a tugging in my heart today. I want to accept that invitation and know Jesus. I'd love to meet with you and I'd like to pray with you and explain that a little more, but I need to know who you are. So while other people's eyes are closed. Can you just put up your hand and then I'll talk to you in a moment. Just shoot your hand up and I'll see you. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.